That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Grandpa, are you older than everybody else? I like Frank Miller. Right. Like, okay, yeah. and it's a stu- it's the stupidest name. It's the stupidest name. I- I'll be honest. <laughs> you know, and this is back when Instagram first started, and you know, you'd see all these. It was right when that Dark Knight movie came out. Yeah, I've heard. And of it. like all the all the Instagram Batman files were just Dark Knight this, Dark Knight that, and I was like, people don't even know this. You know, yeah. where that came from. Yeah. So, I just happened to buy this little little toy action figure. I mean, he was like two inches tall. Yeah. And my idea was like, I'm going to be funny and take this little Grandpa Batman around and do shit. Yeah. So, that, that was the name <laughs> that I came up with. And it stuck. And it went... No, no. You, get, yeah. you have to tell Sean how many people tag you in pictures of their grandparents. Oh, <laughs> shit. Every day. Every day. Yo, that's some I funny tagged, shit. I get tagged. Wow. In everyone's grandpa pick. That's okay, the man. price of fame, Grant. <laughs> yeah, man. Price of fame, man. You're, you're geriatric Batman, as, as yeah. popular as you are. <laughs> yeah. So, I get people like this week. Guy sends me these nice photo prints of him dressed up in uh, <laughs> this badass Dark Knight Returns cosplay with Carrie Kelly. How did How did he get your address? <laughs> I gave it to him. He was like, okay. "Hey, yeah." No, I gave it to you. It's on the internet. It's posted on the internet. It's, yeah. It's like, hey, can I send you pictures of my grandpa? And you're like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, you never asked. <laughs> I know. I've been I, waiting I, all day for someone to ask me that. Let me just add it to I, my I've scrapbook. Been, I've, been putting this, I've been putting this information in the walls at the con and the bathrooms. It's a good time. Call grandpa that. <laughs> uh, my wife thinks it's the craziest thing. But like, I don't know if you can see that. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's dope. That's awesome. Wow, that is really cool. Wait, is that a photo or a painted over photo? It's a cosplayer. Looks like a, a cosplayer. Glossy. Does he have nipples or is that just the shape of the bat on a symbol? On his uh, chest? The, 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 pin, the pinpoints of the wings perfectly placed yeah. over his nipples. Exactly. We'll never yeah. be able to unsee that now. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect coiffed so, hair for Kelly, Carrie Kelly, too. Uh, yeah, so that's one another thing I, I really like about your book is that I mean it's not like a young Batman. He's he's kind of a grizzled veteran guy. Mm. Yeah. Asriel is too. That was my one worry was if I made Asriel too old, would Asriel fans turn on me? Oh, we'll get into that. Cramps, we'll you and your that. genius segue, we are back. Curse <laughs> of the White Knight number one at this point in listening has hit the shelves and we are with the mastermind himself, Sean Murphy, to talk about issue one and uh Going right into it, man. It was like pump the IV, man. It was good to get back to that good old Sean Murphy art, cause. Uh, oh, <laughs> thanks, man. Man, sometimes you could just stare at it. The the way the the story opens, um, 
with Lord Wayne, I had these flashbacks right to uh, the Cavalier story. I think they did back in Legends of the Dark Knight. Uh, yeah. Like the whole um, three, was, what were the words? So the musketeer-esque looking character and whatnot. Swashbuckling. Yeah. And, uh, and it just really set the tone for that time period. And now you said we're going to go back in time with this one for a while. And yeah. uh, holy shit, man. I don't think anyone's ever pushed Arkham back to uh, 1685. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised because I thought... Like what would oh, so I want I always wanted to do a story about like the founding of New York City, which would be you know Gotham in this case. And I'm like, all right. So I looked at New York and what happened. It was like a pirate city for centuries. Yeah. Like, pirate friendly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, after the English took over it, there was like generals who were making money and mm. you know black market and you know they turned a blind eye to criminals and yeah, you know in Boston they wouldn't get away with that shit, but in New York they could. And, um, yeah, I thought it just, just fit perfectly with Gotham, obviously. Mm. So I thought, you know, what would Arkham Asylum be? Like, if it's really ancient, it probably was a fort. Maybe it was, like, a house before that. Mm. And I came up with the idea of um, what if there was this, like, Joker-Dracula character. Mm. Um, and it was sort of like a Castlevania-style flashback in a way. Um, not too uh, much fantasy, because I, I do want to keep things kind of grounded. But uh, enough of like a maybe he was a vampire, maybe he wasn't, whatever. Um, and then I went with the name Laffy because you could, sorry, Lafayette because you could just shorten it to Laffy. And then there's this <laughs> like weird connection to the Joker all of a sudden. So, yeah, I didn't know like who had really gone that far back with, with, with Arkham, but there might be some stuff that I'm totally forgetting about. If you guys know, like, please educate me. <laughs> uh, well, don't worry. 1685, man, I don't even think. Scott went that far back with Gates of Gotham, and this is this might be the beginning that I can remember. Yeah, you know? I agree. Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> yeah, he's outside your door in the San Diego hallway right now. Oh, God. <laughs> Scott, Scott is the reason why we get to talk to dudes like you because he pretty much helped put us on the map with DC Publishing by uh, getting us like review copies and stuff. Oh yeah. So yeah, we love Scott, but yeah, yeah. F- <laughs> I like the premise I said that, last uh, time. I stopped telling Scott my ideas because I kept every time I came up with something, he was about to do it or had already done it or whatever. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't what, know if this is too spoiler, but I like the premise that uh, Laffy has been rumored to be a vampire, which kind of gives him the eternal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There was sort of a theme with because I drew Batman with this big collar. And it gave him like a vampire type of look, mm. and it's just some sort of like theme I've been playing with, and I wasn't really sure where I was going with it, but I wanted it to be suggest like people are feeding off of Gotham in some way, mm. you know, not to say you know Batman is a vampire, but you know, in a way he has a lot of connection with that stuff, and now we have it again with Laffy, and uh, again it kind of fits into the sort of Castlevania style flashback I, I wanted to do. Oddly enough, I actually pitched just the flashback years ago. To DC, and I called it Castlevania as like a <laughs> placeholder title. Like I wasn't gonna call it that, and I was gonna have um, uh, a Batman type character have to fight his way through all these bosses. Like uh, instead of have, he would go through the Universal monsters. So instead of having Frankenstein, he would fight. Or sorry, instead of fighting Bane, he'd fight Frankenstein. Instead of fighting Croc, he would fight the creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm. Instead of Catwoman, he would fight a witch who turned into a cat. Like you would have like um, proxies for all of his uh, the the the, ga- the the villain gallery. And uh, DC thought it was cool but goofy. And I, you know, after White Knight became such a hit, I didn't want to 
you know, do my next Batman with like a goofy, you know, universal monster type thing. So I toned that stuff down. I salvaged the Castlevania vibe of it. And that's kind of where it started. It's a good thing that you turned away from that idea because I was talking to Scott Snyder earlier today and he's writing that right now. Of course he is. Yeah, fucking of course he is. <laughs> actually, um, actually, Mike Mignola, uh, the Doom that came to Gotham, uh, he did something really similar with that as well, where each role was kind of transmitted into like yeah. a classic monster or whatnot. But I, yeah, I, yeah. I really like that idea. I don't think it's goofy at all. I mean, the way you would have drew it, Fuck, man. Damn. Wow. I wish I could... Maybe a backup Dan story Dan why didn't you take it at that time? Where's Dan? Get Dan on line three. <laughs> hey, you know, this guy's coming. They give me pitches, and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. What are you going to do? You know, you, just can't, you can't put them all on paper. You know, you got to give it each their time. Hey, Todd, would you like to make action figures of this stuff? Oh, I mean, like, yeah, of course. I'd love to make figures of them, but all these kids, you know, they buy them, and they bitch about them. It's so articulated. You can't move his head. What the fuck do you want? I don't know what you guys want. Is it the same guy doing both voices? I can't tell. Yeah, yeah. it's Tom. That's some good improv, man. Good job. Yeah, yeah. try. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> hours, hours of just studying, really, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he does have an actual important grown-up job that, that he's supposed to be doing with his time. Yeah. <laughs> therapy, like, uh, therapy doesn't give you a lot of time gonna... to play around. Thinking of people in the industry who would be easy to do impressions of, I think Jimmy Palmiotti would be easy. I gotta, yes, yeah, yeah, gotta listen yeah. to some of their interviews, but uh, yeah, I was thinking about, I was thinking about, um, what's his name? Um, uh, you mentioned him earlier. Rob Liefeld. Uh, Rob Liefeld. Oh, Rob. Uh, yeah, uh, just, uh, just Rob here, <laughs> hanging out, uh, uh, just doing my sketches, and uh, here we got uh, Deadpool right here. Yeah. I, I treated him course uh just take my my daughter had a sketchbook and uh decided to take it over just do some uh, deadpool in there got some deadpool here i created them I'm not sure if you guys knew that but uh, two movies came out probably the best movies ever of any any comic book hero of all time um better than the dark knight better than uh, end game uh unfortunately we only wanted to do two that's not because fox took over it's or or disney it's uh we just thought that after two, that we're good. So, hey Rob, what hey, do you Rob, think man. of uh, DC Comics right now, Rob? Oh. Uh, absolutely horrible. Just <laughs> uh, sinking ship. Just sinking ship. That's you see a video of him driving a pickup truck while inking a page behind the wheel. I think that, I think that's himself. so fake. I think he was well, just trolling. It's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. I'm at I'm actually at a baseball field right now with my kids watching their game, uh, just uh, drawing Major X right now. I invented, um, I, I invented baseball. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> Making a movie of it. We just had a couple of meetings. Angels in the Outfield. Uh, you know, what's the other one where the ghosts are in the f stupid movies? We didn't wait till this one comes out. What's happening? This is why I came back, guys. I, I, I mean, we can talk about my book if we want, or we can just keep doing impressions. <laughs> I was I was actually talking to Scott. It's funny you mentioned Scott Snyder. I was talking to him earlier. I wasn't talking to him. I, I rented a ballroom next door to where he was, listening through the door. Um, but I was I was listening to what Scott was saying, and all the things he's talked about, I've already made those characters, and I've already signed off on movies for him. So. We need a Scott, a Scott impression. What kind of voice would that be? Oh, God. <laughs> I think it's just kind of like, um, hey, no, what's going no, on? No, 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 don't do that. I don't hey, that. what's going on? I remember you. <laughs> yeah, edit that part. <laughs> no, keep it. Keep it. We'll, 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 next time we do this, 
room. You made a very, a very yeah. polite and generous and loving voice. <laughs> Scott Snyder, Scott Snyder keeps the lights on. Up here today. <laughs> I'll leave it up to you guys. I, I trust your judgment on that one. Greg did an impression of Scott yesterday. Colin, and it was exactly that same thing. You know what? That's when you awesome. think about it, though, Tom King still has to walk around with a fucking bodyguard. So oh, a little man. impression. Be that yeah. so funny, It'll be dude. great if his bodyguard grabbed you and he's like, I hear you do an impression of my client. Let's hear it, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> your impression would be you just pissing yourself. That, that guy's cool as shit. <laughs> yeah, funny. yeah, he's cool. He, uh, he's, he's got his head on a swivel, dude. He's sensitive because like, we walked up to Tom and he fucking put his arm out quick. <laughs> Like so quick, and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa! It's cool. Like we know Tom, and then Tom's like, yo, yo, no, I know these guys. But he was, he was on point, man. Yeah. The funny thing to me is, like, uh, all, all these guys, all the creators are, you know, they're writers and and artists or whatever. But the CIA guy is the guy that needs fucking protection. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like uh, Bob, uh, the guy who invented Batman. What's his name? <laughs> yeah, it sounded like, like the something from that. Bill Finger and Batman documentary. God, Bob, Bob Kane. Uh, and yeah, I gotta fucking work uh, on my Bob Kane. Yeah. Uh, who's Sorry. who's Bill Finger? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's such a heartbreaking documentary. Not to get on a tangent. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I. If there's one thing I tell anybody who ever wants to get into Batman in any way, shape, or form, I always say, just watch that documentary first, please. Just know yeah. where it all came yeah. from, how it all started, in. One of yeah, the biggest yeah. tragedies, probably the most lucrative individual fictional character in history, right. and the guy yeah. got screwed over. It's just it, it, yeah, it, it yeah. feels like fiction. It's so crazy. Yeah. Shout right. out to Athena Finger over at uh, yeah. San Diego Comic Con right now, though our our lovely friend Athena Finger, granddaughter of the great Bill Finger. Um, yeah, she's having a great time. She's going to more cons now. She's in the circuit, and it's just so great to have her around because I feel like. If Bill couldn't get recognition, at least his granddaughter could get a lot of love, and you know, it's yeah. just great to have her around as well. Just yeah, she was definitely like the the hero at the end of that. It's good to see someone in that family finally, you know, go through the gauntlet of fixing it. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I don't know why Bill didn't just confront Bob because it seems like they talked after Batman sixty six, well, after Neil, million, millions of made. Like why didn't he ever say? Neil, hey, Neil man. Adams spoke about that. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith asked Neil Adams why he didn't oh. fight as hard for Bill as he did for uh, the Superman oh, guys. Really? And what uh, So what Neil Adams pretty much said was that it was very difficult to stand up for someone who's not trying to stand up for themselves. He said he was a good guy, but yeah. he was just... I don't want to yeah. use the word pushover. He's just a guy... Who, he's a guy who just wanted yeah. to write and didn't want to be bothered. Like, it, it's too yeah. difficult and frustrating, you know, for him. He just yeah. wanted to write. That's all. And, and No, that's that's the impression I got as well. I mean, as soon as I heard that stuff, like, I know, I know a thousand Bill Fingers still yeah. who have the benefit of knowing that story, and they would still get bill fingered for the lack of a better word <laughs> yeah but there's so many people in comics are still bill finger in, in a lot of ways you know and they'll yeah. never yeah. yeah they don't want to rock the boat you can't too- do it you can't do it you just gotta go out there that- you know uh <laughs> when you kids are playing baseball whatever it might be just make sure you get the money make sure you get that check absolutely <laughs> just gotta put your you know gotta put your hand out there you can't let anything pass by now you yeah what you just mentioned about like people like recognition writers and whatnot that's i, I was talking about this with robin in the past that's like with our platform now, because we have a lot of industry on our eyes, we have the ears for some reason, and we try to showcase a lot of these artists and writers who 
Right. Might be un do such great work and are so under the radar. Don't get the recognition or might miss yeah. out on gigs or not playing the game. You know what I mean? So right. it's yeah. good to have a platform to kind of showcase them and then to introduce them to a new like legion of fans because uh, we're very yeah. well aware of that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it still goes on and it, it, yeah. you know it's not easy being a, a pen a pen or a, a pencil for hire sometimes in, in almost any industry. Right. So. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, I go back and I'm like, yeah, I go back and forth. Like on one hand, I I agree. Artists get screwed over. It's a hard life. Uh ins health insurance or mm. tragedy and then they yeah, start like, kickstarters for bills. Like I get it. Yeah. But the other hand, I also think like you knew this going in though. It's yeah. sort of like this is the deal as a freelancer. Is if you're not hot, if you're not on it, if you're not planning ahead, you can get kicked out at any time and like no one owes you anything. That's sort of the rule. Well, Sean Murphy's and, uh, advice, your advice was, <laughs> dude, have your wife read your paperwork, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Hire a lawyer to look, any lawyer, yeah. just to look over it, just to say did due diligence, you know? But again, there's a lot of Bill Fingers still out there. Yeah. But um, but to a better story, yeah, uh, a more success story, happy. Curse of the White Knight number one, I wanted <laughs> to ask you, I, I love this Arkham. Um, now we spoke about that library um, splash last time, which I love, yeah. and, and she put that on the actual hardcover. Yeah. Oh, I was thrilled. That such she did a good that. Decision. I was so thrilled. Oh. Someone brought that up to me without the uh, sleeve, and I, I'm looking at it like, what? What is this? I've never. <laughs> I thought that someone printed out like a custom copy of that page, and she's like, oh no, that's exactly what. That's what you have. It's just without the, the paper, the dust cover, or whatever. And I'm like, oh fuck, that's great. I yeah, was I was really happy to see that. So happy she chose that. Page. But you were like, oh, so what's Arkham doing with a library? But but like yeah. your your interiors and whatnot. I was just. Like, where, where do you, like, draw inspiration or reference for your backgrounds and environments? Especially, well, for this one, anyway, because uh, you're really opening up Arkham even more now with uh, this first issue of The Curse of the White Knight. Yeah, I look at, like, a lot of stone cellars, um, Civil War forts, mm. uh, wrought iron, brick, that kind of thing, mm. uh, a lot of European castles and stuff. Um yeah, I think just finding good photo references and really being interested in history and trying to put those details in there helps. You know, like I, yeah, I love drawing Arkham, and I don't think I really think about how to, like, I don't have a layout in my head of it. I just sort of draw each panel the way I feel like it sort of should fit. But there's no, like, logic to, it, like, where the hallway is, where the outside is, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, when I draw the outside, it generally looks, you know, I, I keep in mind what I did before, but... The interior of Arkham is like a nightmare and it's always changing. Like there's not a lot of consistency between each background because that's just how I imagine. It's like an endless maze of secrets that you just get lost in, you know? Mm, absolutely. And uh, I always mm. I always love the old old agonizing feel of Arkham, you know? Yeah. The endless yeah. feel and yeah, it's one of the major <clears throat> Yeah, well, there's a it's line a character where... of itself, right? I mean, just like Gotham, it's a yeah. It's an important character in this mytho itself, so it's... Yeah, it has to be, man. They were talking about how they're changing uh, Arkham because of the Napier Initiative, <clears throat> and Joker's like, why would you want to change this? This is lovely <laughs> the way it is. And I just imagine that he's totally a fan of Arkham and doesn't need it to be changed, you know? And he's trying to get out, too. And I see we have, like, maybe a little Uncle Bingo moment <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, that? I never thought about that, actually. I was going for the pencil thing in Dark Knight, but yeah, you're right. It's yeah. more of an Uncle Bingo. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that either. It's, yeah, uh, it's all in the subconscious, man. Always bringing it back to 89, baby. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was, it was, in it was interesting because I'm... Um, 
the the 89 bingo and then the original arkham asylum with grant morrison the pence that's where the pencil trick came from the pencil trick was in the dark knight movie don't leave writing instruments around the joker yeah <laughs> well, when I think he's in the library and people i thought why would they let joker in the library there's like books with spines and there's got to be ob- objects in there like why the fuck would they take that chance yeah and they're, they're in reality there's no way they would but i needed him to be in a library so i had them say well he's never attacked anyone with anything like that he's not a cutter so it's probably fine. <laughs> yeah. Wait till that one angry nerd though on the internet fucking says otherwise. Oh yeah, I've, I've met that nerd. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, don't you know there's so many weapons yeah. that Joker can make out of these books? <laughs> it's a hazard everywhere. There's fraud iron fences inside of Arkham. This makes no sense. This is not Batman. You sound like that kid from Stranger Things. Fucking. Uh, <laughs> uh, That's my contribution. I can't do Rob Liefeld or Todd, but I can do <laughs> generic, generic nerd number four. No, that was perfect. <laughs> I actually thought that was Tom doing it. it was really good. <laughs> That's why I said that. I gotta bring some voices to the table. I can't just play it myself. I gotta, you know, up my game with you guys. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys ever heard Grant Morrison's line about the Batmobile. Like, uh, like a nerd would say, like, how does, how does inflates for Batmobile's tires, some dumb shit like that, and and, and Morrison said, the, the, the tires don't get inflated, it's a fucking comic book. Like, <laughs> like, why, did, like, why did you bother to, you know, it's a comic book. The tires don't get, it's a comic book? The tires don't get inflated? Why would you ask? <laughs> well, it's when you, okay. you know, I guess his, the point he's trying to make is like, if you try to think of it and make it too real, then it's no longer... You know, you're going to destroy it. You're going to ruin it. You're going to, you know. Yeah. Mark Mark Hamill tells a story about how he was on the set of Star Wars. And it's just and it's like perfect for comics, too. And there was it was the scene they were filming when they were um, in the trash compactor. And so, you know, they're in the trash compactor and the scene they're filming is afterwards. And so but they're out. They're out and they're they're all dry. So Mark Hamill's like looking at the script and he's like. He's like, hey, um, this takes place after the trash compactor. Shouldn't our hair be wet and shouldn't we be all gross and dirty? And then, like, Harrison Ford looks over at him and goes, kid, it's not that kind of movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, man. I don't think we've ever seen Harrison Ford excited about anything. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe afraid of snakes. (laughs) Snakes. I heard I had a friend who's a big Blade Runner fan and he was working on set with Harrison Ford and uh, I don't know what movie it was but at the end as a gift to the set the crew whatever Harrison's like bring in a photo line up tomorrow I'll sign whatever so everyone's bringing in Star Wars you know Indiana Jones and he's the only my friend is the only one that brought in Blade Runner and Harrison Ford looks at the photo he's like I don't get why people like this fucking movie and he <laughs> si- he signs it with a black sharpie in the darkest part of the photo so you can't even see it oh heartbreak <laughs> oh. I'm like stunned that he did a sequel like what happened to the- yeah I don't know what changed his mind <laughs> hey kid I got I got bills too <laughs> we all got bills to pay hey kid let's go flying. How many famous people can we offend in one podcast? Let's <laughs> <laughs> Dan, Todd, Rob, Scott. Um, well, we, we have bodyguard. a. I gotta <laughs> work on my capullo. I gotta work on it. One of our staples is Jason Statham <laughs> likes to stop by every once in a while. I love every now and go see go see uh, what's this new movie? Hobson Shaw. Lucy Obson Show. Fast and the Furious Obson Show. I like that pencil oh. trick. I'll try it myself. It's like kicking a bottle cap off a bottle, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're waiting for your video of that one. <laughs> you know, I was gonna, just gonna, gonna drive a, over it. 
I was gonna oh, do. Oh, he's got a, the new car to do it. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna do it with an open bottle of ink and get it on myself, but then it started taking off like crazy, and I just like, ugh, I don't know. Now it's too cool. I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's last week's. Bad yeah. Episode. Now you gotta store Mary Fifty One. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> know, right? yeah. yeah, but now don't forget to do the old, uh, old person face app first before yeah. you do the Area Fifty One. Yeah. Old person face storming. <laughs> what, what the fuck is wrong with this world? <laughs> what's the what's the Naruto Natoro run? What is that aspect of it? Anime character or something people are talking about with the Area Fifty One? Oh yeah, the, uh, the Naruto run. Where the, yeah, thank yeah, you. I saw that. <laughs> where the people who are gonna storm uh, Area Fifty One are going to do the Naruto run, so they showed a picture of the guards, like, training to make sure they know how to stop it. <laughs> the world's just one giant meme at this point. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. This is why we delve into comics, man, because this reality is so much more fucking weird <laughs> at this point. Yeah. It's nice to be in, Go- in Gotham where things are grounded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, a city that makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, back to the book then where we were. So, we've got Joker uh, <laughs> making that escape, and part of this so we have this this interesting backstory you've set up where what is turning out to be the three major characters of the book are having their histories of the of the centuries through gotham uh right. shown in both aspects yeah yeah bruce has a relative named edmund the first wayne in gotham joker feels this connection to laffy who is sort of like the first Joker in Gotham. And then you have another guy named Bakar, who is um, a relative of uh, Azrael, or uh, John, John Paul Valley, who was there you know, in the beginning, because Azrael's very religious. So in the next issue, he has this monologue with Batman. Like, in the beginning, there were two sons in Gotham, like Cain and Abel or whatever. So I tried to make it as biblical as I could with, with that character. But yeah, you sort of start off with these three characters fighting in 1685, and you have their proxies and you know now with batman Azrael, and joker it's going to be interesting to sort of play with the pieces and see how it all connects you know what i mean another thing that was interesting okay you know you set it up in white knight with you know the death of alfred pennyworth and the mysterious box that you know people kept asking especially on twitter and stuff what's in the box what's in the box and are you going <laughs> to show us what's in it and in this one you actually get to that but yeah. what's what i found interesting was that Alfred knew about all this history all along. Right. Yeah, he sort of put a little bit of it together. Um, you find out that um, there's another person in Gotham who is aware of this long history. He's sort of like the collector-type person. He knows John, John Paul, and um, he is aware of this curse, and he sort of doesn't want it to be opened up because it's going to be chaotic. So he <laughs> wants... He doesn't want this coming out, basically. And he actually uh, reach, reaches out to Alfred. So you get this flashback in issue three or four where Alfred gets this letter um, that gives him clues to what the hell is going on here. And he doesn't want to bother Bruce with it because Bruce has just started becoming Batman. And he, does, he doesn't need it. And, you know, in Alfred's style, he grabs like a sword and goes to try to take care of the problem himself to protect Bruce. And um, he gets more clues on what the heck is going on. And in the end, like Alfred... Um, isn't quite able to figure it out before he died, but that's where he gives it all to Bruce is Bruce can hopefully fit, fit the pieces together as the detective, you know? So I really wanted to do like a classic detective type thing. Like I, 
not so much into superheroes, but I really wanted Batman to be a detective again. So you have like a journal, you have a whip made out of bats, you've got this crazy story, you've got this chest. Like, you know, all the tropes are kind of there for him to play with, you know. So that's just think my favorite part of the book, the, the, the letter that Alfred left. Right? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, but like Bruce is like, he's really alone at this yeah. point. Yeah. Nightwing and, and Batgirl are in GTO and yeah. and Alfred in the letter Alfred says there's no strength in being alone but right you know he's given up his identity as well and then he he's, uh, he has a conversation with Nightwing uh, going further going public or whatever like right he's really like stripping down yeah he uh, Bruce is sort of in a phase of transition he he gets he he doesn't regret being Batman. He gets the goes off the rails. He knows that you can't have law and order where you have vigilantism. He gets it, um, and he's pissed that it took the Joker to like rub it in his face just to teach him a lesson. Mm. But he wants to fix it. But he's got people around him that don't want him. Like Gordon's like, don't tell everyone who you are. It just makes yeah. everything worse. Like trust me, just keep being Batman. We'll figure it out. Other characters are for it. Other are against it. Um, so. One thing I did want to do with Batman in this one was I didn't want him to be such a dick the whole time. <laughs> in uh, Volume 1, I, one of the criticism I got was Batman seems really unhinged and this isn't really my Batman. Um, and, I, you know, I, I accept that. But my thing was, well, you know, Alfred is sort of not doing well, so maybe Bruce is sort of, mm. you know, up against the wall here and he is acting a little bit out, you know. Mm. So I thought, well, okay, for Volume 2, I think he should learn from his lessons. He's a little bit kinder and more you know, how we envision Batman. I mean, he's still a little unhinged, but he's making genuine efforts to try to fix things a little bit. And while he's doing that, here comes Joker with another big fucking surprise that blows up in his face, basically, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you guys think that Bruce was too uh, mean or too uh, curt in the first one? Like, do you think that... No, No, well, I I thought it, you know, like you said, he's dealing with a lot. And the worst thing he was dealing with was the fact that, you know, Alfred was dying. I liked the letter that you wrote because I really think that you get and understand Alfred because, you know, Batman's always been Gotham's protector. Right. But Alfred's always been Batman's protector. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really felt like, you know, you tapped into the fatherhood mm. uh, side of, of Alfred. So, yeah, if your father's dying yeah. and shit is going down, you're going to be a little unhinged. Yeah, right? I, I think that too. I mean, just to be Batman, like you're a human, like, you can't. You have to be on point twenty four seven, three sixty five, at yeah. all times. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and, I and at the same time that he is dealing with uh, who is his surrogate father being yeah. on death's door, he has Joker is pulling this ridiculous shit that he's pulling. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what's worse is that working. Yeah, and things are getting worse and worse. And, and he's making mistakes, like when he sh- well, didn't he like shove a bunch of those pills down the Joker's throat? I thought that <laughs> yeah. was fucking yeah. perfect. Yeah. It was just right, you know, like, like right. he's just losing it. It's so hard to to maintain yeah. when you're under that much uh, yeah. pressure. And he's be- I think, I, I beating like, the fuck out of him, beating the fuck out of him, like yeah, you over can that feel those table. punches. Yeah. yeah, I always like, I like you know I know there's a version of Batman who's always a step ahead of everyone. He mm. brings the kryptonite before he fights Superman. Like he's always out thinking everyone, but. I kind of like it when he screws up and he luckily doesn't get killed, but he makes mistakes. Yeah, yeah it's his, he doesn't yeah. quite admit his own faults. Like I just, I don't. I think he can still be Batman and not be perfect. Obviously, it, those little glimpses it, of his humanizing moments are really impactful and, when they're done right. And yeah. it's it's not entirely just that he was fucking up, but in White Knight he was being set up. 
right. as we saw from the the moment that he is dumping those pills down Joker's throat. Just that tiny glimpse that Harley is recording. <laughs> right. And yeah. Then, yeah. You know, we, we talked last time about the spoiler that you hid in plain sight on the front cover of issue. Yeah. <laughs> and someone found it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah. No, I'm like, please don't post that. I'm sorry. No, I should never <laughs> do that. There's always going to be one fucking nerd out there, man. That's just going to... F- <laughs> I, th- I think that's, that's one of the things that people often get wrong. Like, like, just because Batman prepares and this and that doesn't mean he's infallible. Yeah. Like, sure, he throws all the prep work in, but... It, yeah. You know the the best laid plans go to shit. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes you put shirt on backwards, just like any one of us. I know. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, because the you know because of uh, how someone found the whole spoiler for White Knight. I'm not gonna lie. I I scrutinized just about every panel looking for (laughs) for this one. Graham. Graham is one of them old timers. I I saw these little words that say Harley did it again. (laughs) Oh man, yeah. I do want do want to point out a little awesome attention to, to de- the detail that you applied to this visually is uh, how organic you do make this feel. All right, so like when uh, I love the fact that Dick and Babs are working in uh, Gotham City Police Department, and you know they, yeah. they're saying shit here and there, and all, and I'm like, finally, it, it feels so organic. It feels like a real story. There's no, there's not really any exposition, anything like that. It's just it flows yeah. well, just like we're, we're in the Batcave. And he has yeah. like a bunch of cables hooked up to the Batmobile and one to the the motorcycle, yeah. or whatever. Instead of everything yeah. being polished and perfect, I'm like, oh yeah, that that organic <laughs> flow. It just it just makes so well for a visual storytelling. So I wanted to say yeah. that uh, Thanks, I really man. enjoy that as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, going back to dialogue, like I I don't believe in um, narration balloons, like square boxes where you have like you're looking at the inner monologue of Spider-Man or whatever. Like I don't like that stuff. Um, Thank you. I think it's just from a script screenplay background. Usually, you try to stay away from that stuff. You have exceptions like Shawshank Redemption mm. or like Forrest Gump, but I feel like you're telling versus showing. And I think comics always to just accept that you're always going to have boxes filled with inner monologues. And I just don't know why we need those if you can have characters voice those things or you can draw those details. Like, do we really need to have? And my thinking is, I think a lot of writers feel like they're not contributing unless there are words on every page. So they're just not likely to write silent pages for artists to just do the heavy lifting. And I think because I'm like drawing it as well, I know I'm fine not writing monologues or I'm sorry, inner monologues, whatever, because I know I can just take care of it with the art. So most of the story is moved forward just with dialogue. And I do have voiceovers when a character is talking about something and there's a flashback. But other than that, like I don't even like labeling something like, Last night, dot dot dot. Like I try to avoid that <laughs> if I can, and I, I, you know, I re- immediately break that rule in um, both of these books where I have like one year ago, you know. Mm. Yeah, I, but I, that's important because you know you're talking <laughs> about two different stories and two different timelines. Yeah, I think you have to be really good at it as well to be able to make that effective. Like I think the way Frank did it in Dark Knight Returns was like a good right. example of like using it well. But uh, yeah, it it, right. it it is one of those things where if if you don't know how to use it in a certain way yeah. at a certain time, it's it's gonna feel yeah. a little redundant and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, like I get why it happens. Like I I'm um I'm writing a, a Mr. Freeze one shot for Klaus Janson right now. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's officially been announced but whatever here's the announcement it's called a uh, von freeze it's mm. a flashback to world war ii and it's sort of like a romeo and juliet story of freeze and nora set against nazi germany 
uh, as we established in volume one, Nora is a Jew. He's German. And uh, Freeze is not a Nazi, but his dad joins the SS. And it's like a complicated story about his father and Nora's father and the Freeze tech and like where it comes from. And it's sort of like leftover from stuff I didn't get to do in volume one. So I wanted to do like a spinoff and I, I'm like, Klaus can draw it. He's, he's got a lot of German guilt. He'll draw the hell out of that story. <laughs> Writing for another artist, like I can see why writers want to have those boxes of inner monologues because you just don't know if the artist is going to do everything. So you want to cover your bases and make sure it's crystal clear to the reader what's going on. So if you know you're going to draw it, you know you can take care of that stuff and you're less likely to do that. But like I'm, I'm not like faulting writers that fall into that trope. I just, it's just too bad we don't have more single vision type books because I just don't think we need a lot of those those captions, you know. So this is actually going to be kind of a spinoff of. Yeah, one shot. So okay. we're going to release. Think of this as like a nine issue series with a break in the middle where. I'm going to stop and we're going to put out one shot of Von Freeze, okay. drawn by Klaus Janssen, written by me, colored by Matt Hollingsworth. So it fits in the universe. It's it's sort of like a deleted scene, if this was a movie, if that makes sense. Okay. You don't need to read it to enjoy Curse, but Curse will come out nine months in a row with one break in the middle. Um, but if you want to skip that and just read my eight issues, that's fine too. Like You don't need to read this free story, gotcha. but it was something that I really wanted to check off that I didn't get to do in Volume 1. Now, this might be getting a little too far ahead, but I know you were also speaking with our friend Brian Hill about doing something. Yeah, as well. yeah I uh, wanted to do uh, uh, ro- an African-American Robin. <laughs> mm. um, oh, yeah. I'm not the one to do it. I know that. But I I don't know Brian. I mean, I talked to him on DM, and I feel like he and I are very much similar in how we approach politics and Twitter and trying to sort of – we're both liberal, but we were trying to sort of reach to the center, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really, really, really wanted uh, Robin to be black. And um, they turned him into the signal, which is cool. But I feel like maybe with White Knight, if I can push that – um, and get Brian to write it and sort of make um, Duke sort of a centrist character. Like he's not a guy that always sides with BLM. He's not always a guy that sides with the other side. He's just trying to be practical and realistic and sort of walk the, the center line, if that makes sense. And uh, I don't, I'm never going to approve this, but I'm, I'm going to tell Brian to pitch it uh, White Knight, Black Robin. <laughs> See if they oh. <laughs> yeah, hashtag. They're never going to go for that. <laughs> Yeah, well, you were the first one to draw him in the was that the, that uh, yeah. New Fifty Two Detective Twenty Seven um, yeah. big book. Yeah, I remember that. That looked really cool. Yeah, they, they wanted um, yeah, it was a future story. I see different versions of Batman in the future, and I kept drawing Robin as this, Robin as that, and I'm like, can't there be? A, let's just do a Black Robin. Mm. So I did, and I, I didn't really ask permission. I just sort of did it, and um, it kind of when DC got hounded with phone calls all of a sudden, so they weren't thrilled. Um, but I sort of just wanted to shove it into the zeitgeist and see what happens. You know what I mean? Sort of just do it and apologize later. Um, so, well, then yeah. <laughs> you, you also had a uh, Lee went with the We Are Robin story arc as well. He's like, let's just get yeah. a shitload of them out there and see which one sticks Perfect. and whatnot. Exactly. No, brilliant. No, I'm way, I'm 100% supportive of that movie. That was awesome. So is Duke Thomas going to appear in Curse of the White Knight? Yeah, he's a big character. Um, he is sort of the, sort of like a steady hand mm. of the GTO. Uh, as like Nightwing is sort of more temperamental. Gordon is busy. He's going to start uh, spoilers. He's going to maybe run for mayor. 
So um, he's going to have to promote somebody into his position as commissioner. It's not going to be Duke. But I think Duke is sort of like the heart and soul of the team in a way. And he's sort of like mm-hmm. the perfect backup guy. Yeah. Um, and the way I want Duke to be Robin is when he was Special Forces, his code name was Robin because he was like the best backup guy mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the military or whatever. And ironically, here he is now working with Batman. So he decides to revive the name Robin. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to keep his gun or not. I don't I haven't really thought about it that much. I don't want it to turn into like a Red Hood type thing. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I haven't really fleshed it out yet. But that's why I want to talk to Brian about it. So Duke is ex-military and Jean Paul Valley is ex-military, correct? Yeah, yeah. That's where. So they're able to sort of track down Valley because Duke has some connections. Mm. Valley lost his mind in the. Um, started, I guess, hallucinating in the hospital, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have a uh, first time we see Valley. He's butt naked. Oh, the first appearance. <laughs> first appearance of as ass. <laughs> On page seventeen, where he's hallucinating. I, my idea was he's naked because he's having a uh, he's got PTSD, and he walks into the chapel of the hospital, and it's there's candles everywhere, so he knocks everything over by accident. And my idea was he's sort of reborn in fire, so I wanted to have him naked. And without thinking, I drew his penis in a few panels. Oh! <laughs> and all of that got edited out, of course. <laughs> well, I like that he's like an older, older Jean-Paul. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that. I, uh, I've been anytime I meet an Azrael fan, I'm always like, listen, spoilers. Like, I, I wanted to make Azrael like Vietnam era. Like, he's 60 now, but he's still an ass kicker. Like, he's yeah. John Rambo from First Blood. But he can still handle himself. But he is a little bit older, and I was just wondering if like Azrael fans would be okay with that. Like he still wears red. He's still angry. He's still religious. He still has a sword. But I'm just wondering if it's cool that he's not wearing glasses or whatever he used to. I dig it. I don't man. see the problem. I, I dig it. I, I mean, think that old look. That old look was very '90s. You know, the blonde hair glasses. Yeah. What about the man bun? Oh yeah, it's <laughs> coming. Wait, you mean his penis? Or <laughs> <laughs> he's falling into the candles, and I drew like a, a silhouetted wiener between his legs. And a few other... like, I think I just you, know, you get so in your zone when you're working, you don't think about that stuff. And uh, DC colored it, and I, I thought I had shadowed it enough where it wasn't full on Lee Bermejo dick. Right. It was more subtle, kind of cartoony yeah. dick in the background, like, like but... Doctor Manhattan dick. <laughs> cartoony yeah, dick. Know. Just a little, just a little dick neck, not like the full shaft. Hey, Rob Liefeld, did you invent the dick? Yeah, the comics. As far as comics, yeah, I invented the penis in the comic. Uh, making a movie about it right now. As a matter of fact, uh, just sketching, swimming in the pool. So, <laughs> if you can't draw feet, you probably can't draw a dick. So, yeah. uh, so we got a little bit of uh, who's returning from Volume One. Uh, one of the things that the masses loved most about volume one was how you fixed the current era Harley by dividing uh, the, the original Harley and Neo Joker. What can you talk about, about who we'll see and who we won't see? I Neo Joker is not in this, but she's off camera in a a scene or two Mm. uh, because the Mad Hatter breaks her out of jail. But, um, we don't really see her. And the reason was I had so many characters to focus on. I couldn't sort of give a compelling reason to put her in and focus on her with all these other things going on. But my goal is to put her into volume three as the main antagonist. So she'll be a little bit older and she'll have a new motivation. Um, but I have tons of Harley Quinn in this. Like Harley Quinn eventually becomes, she's helping Batman like every step of the way mm. because he doesn't really have any family left with him. Like Alfred's gone and of course he still has like 
his friends in the GTO. But as far as who's with him day to day, it ends up being Harley Quinn, and she ends up sort of being his conscience in a lot of ways. So I'm really, I think one of the best reactions I got from Volume One is everybody loved the scenes with Harley and Batman on her rooftop having heart to hearts, which like stunned me because I thought that was yeah. going to be like people's least favorite parts. But for some reason, they loved it. So I feel like if you liked that stuff, you're going to get a lot more of it in Harley and Batman's co- sort of complicated friendship, if that makes sense. I like that. Most, um, uh. I think a lot of writers or people would feel compelled to squeeze in their Neo-Joker in the story regardless. And I think it's a good disciplined move, a smart move to like <laughs> hold her aside for the next one. That's a, yeah, that's, that's yeah, a really thanks, good thanks, man. It's a, yeah. Cause I I've, it. I've seen it so many times where the P, there are a lot of writers that just feel compelled to squeeze this person or that person. And then ultimately yeah. it's like, yeah. well, they didn't really have a purpose in it, but they're right, in there. Wow, yeah. yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Man. Good. Honestly, I, with volume one, like I squeezed in Mr. Freeze and I, I sort of found a reason why it had to be him because there was a freeze gun and Neo. there needed to be like a drastic threat that forces batman and joker to work together Mm. so it kind of makes sense but i i still feel like the plot would have worked in different ways if you you didn't need freeze like i'm glad i added him but i definitely shoved him in there because i didn't think i'd ever get to write batman again Mm. and uh when i reread it it, the freeze stuff is is fine but i kind of wish i had not done it because it's just it's already a very crowded book Mm. anyway you know what i mean i think it flows though i mean you know, yeah. I enjoyed it. That, that was I, I was thankful you did it. Yeah, so. we got a good cover out of it too. He's on a major cover. Yeah, yeah. Legends yeah, got an original cool. page out of it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> with uh, the Von Freeze I'm doing with Klaus, hopefully it sort of uh, bolsters that a bit more and makes it make more sense. Like you know, ten years from now, if people read Volume One, Two, and Three, and then Von Freeze, hopefully it's like it all kind of congeals a bit. Man, I can't yeah. wait for that uh, Sean Murphy Batman Omnibus. Man, it's gonna look really <laughs> nice on the shelf, boy. <laughs> Me too. What kind of voice would you give uh, Victor Freeze's dad? Like, what kind of? Um, <laughs> it's like based on the backdrop of like the Nazi stuff, right? Yeah, I think uh, pick like a arch Nazi from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Who is that oh, guy? So not like the fat caterpillar from A Bug's Life. <laughs> Victor, you know come Actually, and have your supper, please. It's time to eat now, okay? <laughs> Mommy says it's time to eat. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I guess Bob I'll, I'll <laughs> Yeah, it's actually a uh, Bug's Life, which was based off a short story. <laughs> I, I, I hey, Rob, created. I want you to do a commission of that caterpillar, but I want you to only draw his feet. Oh. Fantastic. Uh, uh, six grand if you can. Uh, <laughs> Venmo direct. Thanks. <laughs> I'll have it to you never. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, man, he like <laughs> over mad people with that um the Kickstarter, right? Oh. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh you guys back any Kickstarters? Yeah. Uh we I got a buddy of ours, um my god, he's doing like a sto- he's doing like his own like artist version of it. Um it's like a, what is it, Gramps that he's doing? Uh Big Mike. It's like he's he's doing his, his art own book. book. Yeah, he's doing his own art book with like a lot of original pieces in it. But then he's also doing like uh, Star Wars prints and Batman prints. So yeah, this is a guy that, um, as an artist, he's responsible and helped design. Well, one he helped design like a lot of the first waves of the Mezco action figures. Yeah, he built. Right. He pretty much like built a good chunk of the Mezco company. Like he was. And the then guy. he did like a lot of um, like. There's this statue that came with the Injustice game with Wonder Woman and Batman. He did that one. He did some other 
Arkham game design stuff. I mean, he's had his hand in some pretty cool projects. So, and what happened was yeah. he was doing uh then he did a couple of uh, Star Wars enamel pins, and then right. uh, Star Wars approached him and uh, did a cease and yeah. desist, and then they offered him a job. <laughs> they wanted yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and he's like a massive Star Wars fan. So, shout out to Mesco yeah. Mike from over at Queens, New York, baby. He's a yeah, good dude. <laughs> I think oh. that book's gonna hit this year. No, he's busy. He, he does a lot of. He's, he he started doing freelance a couple of years ago, so we just try to support him. Yeah, as much as we can. Yeah. Who's taking pictures of me? Sorry, no, I'm trying to figure out. Oh, you are. Okay. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's funny because um, Gramps Sorry. actually did that to Joey Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, we, we did that to Joey Lawrence, the the guy from Blossom, when he was on the show. <laughs> oh, wow. Why did we have Joey Lawrence on? <laughs> Joey Lawrence is. <laughs> It looks like, well, I think somebody just took a picture of me. Oh, yeah. whoa, whoa. Joey <laughs> so that it showed the whole screen. Yeah. Jo- Joey Lawrence. Been, uh, I'm trying to attach pictures of uh, issue picture. two, and I don't know how to. Oh, well, I'll just keep taking pictures of you if that's cool. Pictures, man. <laughs> I'm going to send them to my grandpa. Is that all right? <laughs> that, that's the way to get to him. If you could, like, draw me in the book some way. <laughs> DM it to the DM it to the Twitter account, and then we can we all have access to the Twitter account. Mm. Okay. Bad cool. Force Twitter. Or, or it's just in either that or the uh, the Instagram DM. Mm. Either way, we can. Oh, yeah. So with um Lieberman's first issue of Damned, he ended it with a Joker imagery in the church that was quite striking, but I think Sean Murphy said, "Hold my beer." I did the same thing with this one because uh, the Joker image at the end with I, I just noticed this for the first time now with the wings in the background from the stained glass and then him handing oh, yeah. Azrael that sword I'm guess I mean I'm guessing oh, yeah. he I'm guessing he really handed him the sword but he's hallucinating the flames I don't know this is very ambiguous yeah. but pretty fucking awesome man the way to end this Thanks. first issue with that flaming yeah. sword yeah I wanted Joker to sort of I mean I see Asriel as a very like Shakespearean biblical over the top type of character yeah. if you want to move him you have to sort of you know use some theater and I think Joker would know that about him because mm. uh, Joker's been preparing this for year, decades like this is his finale this is his greatest joke in Gotham type mm. thing like, I don't think Joker even thinks he's going to survive this um, mm. So when he approaches Azrael, I wanted him to do it in a very theatrical way with like it's dark and he's standing in front of a stained glass window and he's standing right in front of the angel character. So Azrael sort of like, oh, are you an angel? And, you know, someone who's got PTSD and who's super religious, they might actually be. I mean, I think Azrael knows who he is, but it's still very moving to him. Mm. And once Joker gives him compelling evidence to join him, then Azriel is like full on board basically. Mm. But yeah, I, I could I I thought about having Joker just sort of walk in the chapel and be like, hey, you don't know me, but you know, here's, here's some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take this. Here's Trust me. <laughs> Who's now, this woman that uh, Joker's meeting with? Because I thought that was Amanda Waller at first, which would <laughs> really be fucking cool. Yeah, she's um this the woman who created the Batman Devastation Fund. I wanted to create a face for white collar criminals, basically. Mm. Uh, like I didn't want to draw a bunch of rich, rich people placing bets on real estate in Gotham. I just wanted to give it one face. So she is sort of like this like untraceable um, financial advisor, lawyer type, and um, she's got connections to the Joker. Like she's the one that actually busts him out in a way, like through her connections, whatever. Uh. So you know. In volume one, Joker Jack Napier says, like, what's what's with the revolving door in Arkham? There's something going on here. This is stupid. Like, how incompetent do you have to be? Blah, 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 blah. And it turns out that he was right. And there is a connection between these elites and the criminals getting out and destroying Gotham. And mm. she's sort of the, the face of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah, and I definitely, yeah, I wanted someone who, um, yeah, I could have used Waller. I don't know why it didn't, actually. <laughs> now, uh, still has a, a very strong, distinct look uh, in his face. Now, since previously on your podcast with Clay, I asked yeah. you a boot who you would cast <laughs> as uh, characters from White Knight. Yeah, I just, I'm sure you ribbon me about my yeah. boots. And, <laughs> he went full Canadian. <laughs> full Canadian, a boot. Uh, who would you cast for Asriel, and do, did you have someone in mind oh, when, when you were uh, designing his look and his voice? Um, fuck, I should have an answer for that. I wanted, like, maybe like a Mickey, Mickey Rourke type of guy. Oh, yeah. I could see uh, dope. John and David Harbour playing him. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, he, David Harbour is funny, so he, obviously he doesn't need to be funny. But someone, someone who's massive, who is thick, has a bit of a gut, but still like a linebacker, like to totally kick your ass if you needed to. Who was yeah, the first Hellboy? What was the first Hellboy's name? Oh, Ron, Ron Perlman. Perlman. Yeah, Ron yeah, Perlman. Ron Fuck yeah. Yeah. He's open for doing different comic book stuff that doesn't involve Mike Mignola. Sure. <laughs> I just sent some stuff to the Twitter. Oh, cool. Did I? I think I only sent one. Hold on. Yeah, I sent one. All right. I'll just do one at a time. You guys so can put it has this Angels and Demons tattoo on, on his own shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, was, was in, um, yeah, he's sort of like one of his, his squad in, you know, Burma and Afghanistan, all these places he'd been. Like, they all have the same tattoo. It's called the Blood Angels. And they each call themselves, their code name is, they each took a different name of an angel in the Bible. So you have uh, Azrael, of course, and then you have his uh, sniper, whose name is Michael, who is the angel, the protector, whatever. Uh, and then you have Gabriel, or sorry, Gabriel. Uh, and Gabriel is actually a lady, like a Vietnamese uh, demolitions expert. And she, the reason she goes by Gabriel is because over the radio, you would never know to look for a woman. So she goes by a man's name, basically. And these are his three surviving war buddies who end up uh, helping him out because they sort of owe him a favor and because they're all really close. And because, in a way, he has nothing to lose. Um, you know, you find out in issue one that Azrael's terminal cancer um, yeah. and, you know, all this, the PTSD on top of it, he really does have nothing to lose. And that's sort of is what makes him so dangerous to, to Batman. Dude, these, uh, these panels that you're showing are they're fucking awesome. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, this is. Their, yeah. Uh, I think they're coming to you out of order, but this is when Alfred goes and uh, retrieves some of the stuff. Uh, hold on, damn you, computers! I hate you, Alfred Stewart. That, that's like right there is legit. That is so dope looking. Uh, oh, this one. Yeah, here's the last one. Yeah, you can put one water. But yeah, there's a flashback. Uh, so Bruce finds an issue one. We realize he finds this chest. He's got the journal and he's got these clues, and he finds out that Leslie Tompkins actually knows about this stuff, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And uh, she's like, how did, he's like, how did you know about this? She says, like, who do you think retrieved them? Like, Alfred and I mm. went to get them. And Bruce's yeah. like, you and Alfred went and stole them from the Joker? She's like, no, no, no. There was this letter that came in, and Alfred, it was let, written to you, and this letter, seemed, you knew you were Batman. And so Alfred freaked out. He grabbed a sword, um, and we went to take care of it. And it's just a sort of quick flashback of Alfred defending Bruce because, yeah, I definitely wanted to have Alfred in there. And um I could actually spoil something. Uh, it's not too bad. So I love swashbuckling <clears throat> stuff. And uh, I wanted Alfred to be the one that teaches Bruce how to use the sword. And my idea in issue six is young Bruce Wayne really wanted to go see the Mask of Zorro because Alfred wouldn't let him 
play with his swords. So it's Bruce feels responsible for his parents ultimately dying because he was the one that begged them to take them to Zorro because he wanted to learn from Zorro how to use swords. So after his parents die, Alfred realizes like, okay, well, let's go to the funeral. And afterwards, I promise you, I will show you how to defend yourself so that nothing like this ever happens again. And Bruce is like six or whatever. And he's like, really? Like, I'll be as good as Zorro? And Alfred's like, absolutely. So I wanted to set up this theme of swordplay, especially because it mirrors Asriel. And of course, the finale at the end will be like an awesome sword fight between Bruce and John Paul Valley. Sean, in in these pictures, you sent us, right? Uh, Oop, can we edit that out? Uh Uh-oh. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> good eye. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Yeah, but yeah, take that out for now. Um, right. Yeah, that is. So, you'll you'll find out in issue six. Dope. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Way to look at the art. At least you comment bad. on it fairly. And, uh, <laughs> at least you didn't put it on the cover this time, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Better guys. Don't worry. I got to draw the Bat motorcycle. I didn't get to do that in uh, the volume one, so I got to do a new version of the Bat cycle, which I was yeah. yeah. I remember you asking about that on Twitter. You, you put out like a poll of what people like as their favorite type of bike. Mm. Yeah, like the uh... yeah. I'm genuinely curious to because I, I love listening to my readers, even if they're you know pushy sometimes. I, I do think you get a lot of great uh, information from them. Like I love how you yeah. deal with them, man. It's yeah, it's almost entertaining because it's like you're really like some of them. Are, it's like they're just trying to be difficult. Like, are you serious? And you just, you know you just gotta. Yeah. <laughs> but you, the way like, yeah, the way you've chosen to deal with with your fans in general is like abs. It's perfect because like it's untouchable. You know the way it's like they're potential customers, so I have to treat them as like customers. And um, you know you you don't. You, it's 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 fantastic to see like especially in the climate that you see on twitter where you yeah. know fans these days are taking one side or the other and hating one side or the other yeah. you know and they're always trying to drag your politics on yeah. into yeah. the conversation and it's it's really awesome to see you kind of setting that example of like you can be neutral and let everyone enjoy your work yeah you know? thanks man it's i tell you it's not easy like i'm just stepping <laughs> yeah, over laser beams and i have a habit of being honest and trying to make jokes so like sometimes people don't think things are funny on twitter obviously <laughs> so i right. like, really had to reassess everything that's why i think i click so well with brian because yeah, he's sort of the same mindset on this and like he and i are both classic liberals like obviously i did i did fucking punk rock jesus everyone knows where i stand politically but like doesn't mean i can't get along with my conservative friends i mean i have friends that love guns like, you don't think my neighbor who loves guns wouldn't be thrilled to come over and blow away an intruder if I needed him? Of course he would. You know, <laughs> tons of things we all have in common. Like, it's just so ridiculous on Twitter sometimes. And people forget. Yeah. If we were all in a big bar talking to each other, like, 80% of the shit we fight about would not be a thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah. absolutely. We'd give the benefit of the doubt. We would, like, eh, I don't know if I agree with that, but I'm not going to say it. You would, you know, we're much more patient than we give ourselves credit for, but it's just yeah. accessible on Twitter. It was cool. It was, uh, it was awesome to see you. The anonymity thing, like, people say things online that they would never say to somebody's face. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was it was awesome to see you uh, meet up and get drinks with uh, Mags Visaggio, too. Yeah, yeah. Mags is a friend. Um, Paul Pope, too, that week. Um and also, I chatted with Doug Tenaple, who's, I think he left Comicsgate. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what all that stuff's about. Um, I, yeah, I have some friends who don't necessarily agree and get along and all that. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't fear conservatives attacking me. I feel like my own team, you know, licking their chops, waiting for me to step on a laser beam. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm doing my best to just try to be cool. 
read too much, I might just quit Twitter, which I don't want to have to do. But honestly, like if you want to know what I think, you can read my book. You don't need to hear me spout off the soapbox, you know? Yeah. Well, I, nope. I hope that you stick around there uh, because right. you, another one of the similarities between you and Brian is when it comes to talking about uh, how creators interact with their readers on Twitter, you and Brian are the two that I cite as being the best at it. In a way, you kill people with kindness and it comes to the point that they're like, okay, well, I still don't agree with yeah. you. <laughs> if American Airlines had 90% favorability, that would be amazing. You know, it's okay if 10% of your readers don't like what you do. You're still way above batting average mm, you know, and honestly like i'm not saying anything that we don't all know I, I generally feel like we're all very reasonable people here and it's just it looks bad because a lot of extremists hog the microphone on twitter but most of us are sitting back rolling our eyes like there's plenty of reasonable people that are just too involved just you know and like i'm not saying i'm not worried about you know the future of politics or whatever like you know i definitely want everyone to be treated equally and all that stuff but i just don't think you're changing anyone's minds by shouting at them online you know, yeah. and that goes for both sides. Right. Sorry, not to go on a tangent there. <laughs> no, you know, another thing, too, like that I, I was thinking about is, and I don't know if it's because, you know, they've given you kind of such a long leash or what it is, but it's, you know, you're doing a job and you've, you've been given these, these characters to work with and it's a job, but it seems like you're having like a really, really fun time doing it. And you seem to really be enjoying it. No, I loved it so much. I just didn't think I had any other choice. Like I, I was picking up a application to bed when I got picked up by Vertigo in 2008. You know, I finally got like some kind of steady work from, from Karen Berger um, with Joe the Barbarian. And uh, I here it's just like, I can't believe I got this far. How do I keep going? I have so I've been, you know, fixing up this house for two years in Maine. It's like an old Victorian from 1880. And I have people literally working outside my window, sweating, putting, building rock walls, cutting grass, whatever. And here's me, Mr. Douchebag, in my air conditioned office, <laughs> sitting below it, a brand new Dotson. Like, I'm joined Batman. Uh, you know, and I, I, I get to make more money than these people. Like, it just doesn't seem fair. Like, they're working their asses off. And I'm sitting here drawing a guy in his underwear, punching people. Mm. You know, like, I just, I'm, I'll never not be acutely unaware of how uh, it's just amazing and yeah i just i worry that it's all going to fall out from under me at some point and someone's going to call me on my shit <laughs> be like you don't actually know how to write you're just ripping off chris nolan or whatever since you uh went ahead and mentioned joe the barbarian i'm just gonna jump out and say i love joe the barbarian oh, and uh, i almost brought every issue to make you sign them uh, in detroit but i, I control <laughs> why has no one made joe the barbarian into a movie yet <laughs> I don't know, man. That was uh, so much like a movie that came yeah. from the 80s, 90s, and it, yeah. it it would be great for everyone. Yeah, Never Ending Story meets Toy Story. Uh, yeah, it seems like a good elevator. What's the impression of Grant Morrison here? <laughs> so, do you want you guys to do an impression of Grant? Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. No one step up. It's okay. No one has to step up. I'm trying to imagine the sometimes... Um, unstable Grant Morrison going into business meetings trying to <laughs> pitch his ideas to suits asking for a hundred million dollars like Grant's a great writer I don't know if he's that type of guy to be able to spin it and sell it like that but who knows maybe, maybe. Happy went through two seasons already that's great yeah that show's nuts <laughs> true yeah uh, I mean he Grant bought a house in LA ten years ago trying to pitch and I, as far as I know Happy is the only thing that's gotten made so far but I don't know I don't really talk to very much but yeah that would be awesome like never ending story toy story together that's basically what yeah it'd be awesome to see that especially if you get the if they could i don't know this would be a lot of hoops to jump through but if they could get the rights some of the characters that you put in there because you know if for anyone who hasn't read the story <laughs> it's this kid is basically yeah. 
having delusions that his he's in this in the middle of this war that is being fought between the toys in his house. And uh, the characters that are in it are Batman, Grey Ghost, Wonder Woman, Superman. There are G.I. Joe characters, like Snake Eyes is in there. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. You, never get- you know, you're describing a lot of Ready Player One yeah. now that you've said it all out loud. And I feel like because of that movie tanked, they're never going to try to do this again. <laughs> oh. okay. Actually, uh, you guys are just describing a story that I wrote. <laughs> I need a check on that one. (laughs) Feeling about Curse the White Knight issue one to me is that I feel like we're picking up right where we left off with uh, White Knight. And that feels so good as well. So like, so when we sandwich them together, we're just going to flow, man. I mean, like I said, Sean Murphy, Octopus, baby. Thanks, man. I I loved uh, Rocky 2, how it's literally there for the sequel. So I kind of wanted to do something like that. We're like, maybe a few months have passed. I like sequels that just pick pick up the pace and keep moving, you know? One foot out of out of one story and then into the next one. Yeah, it's funny. I I wanted to um, end volume one with Bruce going into Alfred's room and finding the chest, and he found um, a whip made out of bat leather. And you really should just end this when Batman comes out to Gordon because introducing a chest in a whip like it's such a different genre. That's that story's cool, but it's so different than White Knight. I think you should just keep White Knight contained as it is. And if you want to go all you know Castlevania on the sequel, just do the chest thing later. And I think he's absolutely right. I'm, I'm glad he pushed me to do that. You know who invented Skype? Is Rob... Uh, Rob, uh, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Thank you, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. As a matter of fact, yes, I did. Joe Wade on the movie rights. Why does he hate DC so uh, much? Because uh, he got passed question. over. Oh, passed that's right. Over. Yes. He pitched, yeah. he, he pitched like a bunch of things during uh, the New 52 and also Rebirth, and he got passed over on all of them. Hmm. He says oh, he says okay. he pitched him like seven different ideas. Yeah, yeah. He was and working then, on um, Deathstroke for a little while. I think during was it New Fifty Two or uh, yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he was yeah. doing covers for a lot of stuff. He was doing Hawkman covers. It was so funny because um, like if he's doing Deathstroke, he's working on a character that he pretty much ripped off in the past. Yeah, I thought that was absolutely. that was pretty. Huh. Funny. No, if you ask him though, they're dude, completely putting different. Putting him on Deathstroke is brilliant. <laughs> I would love to see Rob do Deathstroke. That's a, honestly, it's a great move for him. I mean, totally yeah, it's dripping, it's dripping with irony, but at the same time, like, it's gonna sell. It's gonna sell books. Completely <laughs> different characters, you know. Um, one's 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 an assassin, the other's an assassin. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, completely different. I just yeah. I just don't understand how anyone could talk that much shit about that many different people. And then just block everyone. So oh, yeah. He did, he did block Dane too? He blocks yeah. everyone. I'm blocked. Um, Gramps is blocked, I think. Fucking. I, I don't even remember what I said. I didn't even. It wasn't even anything bad. It was maybe con- constructive or pointing something out. And I deserve and just to get, be blocked, but. You deserve to get blocked. <laughs> did you call him a bitch or something? <laughs> I think I did. Stop, stop bitching, or I don't know what you said. I'm he's, pretty brutal. He's blocking people. That have the ability to promote his work and help him sell better. Like what? What is the thinking there? Man? Well, all I'll say is this, and I'm pretty sure everyone can agree that I think in this comic book industry, in this genre, nobody is more unprofessional publicly via social media than Rob Liefeld. He just sounds like a madman, uh, and, and that, that's no, above no, Skyver. No, I know you're gonna say Skyver, Tom, but Skyver's uh, <laughs> up there, dude. I, I mean, these, these guys are. Yeah. Who is it? Who's up there? Ethan Van Skyver. Oh, Van Skyver, yeah. He yeah. likes to be a, a contrarian and yeah, he, made his he, brand he, off of mm. right, right. setting he, uh, people off. He's like the 
like a comedian who is trying to raise eyebrows and outrage people. At least he could draw. Though. I'm not sure everyone thinks that's funny. <laughs> Teach a class on like dealing with customers and dealing with readers and comic book and how etiquette. to tweet, how to like plan. Yeah, like no one ever taught any of us this stuff. Obviously, like we're all doing the best to figure it out. Um, if a college doesn't have some kind of a class on how to tweet and how to, I mean, like the rule is like I would never tweet anything you're not comfortable being a headline at Bleeding Cool. Like that's sort of Jimmy Palmiotti's rule, and I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, never tweet something that you don't want to be a bleeding cool headline. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scott Snyder. <laughs> oh god, that was bad. <laughs> what Poor was Scott. That? Oh, he, oh, Vertigo. Years yeah. ago, when he, no, he he yeah. accidentally he accidentally uh, let it let it out the Vertigo info uh, uh, before it was made public. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody oh, asked that was him. Yeah. Someone asked about uh, American Vampire, uh, the next volume, if it's going to come out. Uh, they said, oh, with, because there were the rumors that Vertigo was closing, and they said with uh, with Vertigo closing, what's going to happen with uh, with American Vampire? And he yeah. said, oh, it's going to come out on Black Label. We're really excited. And then somebody said, oh, so do, should we take that as confirmation? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh see, no, no, I meant yeah. that we hope it's coming out on Vertigo, but if not, it's yeah. coming out on Black Label. I can yeah. just <laughs> imagine that, that fucking, that feeling that you get in your chest and your gut, like when, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. You know, like you fuck up, but he, you know, he, he's, he got he juice new, though, man. He, he right, can. he's got he's got a new kid. You know, he wasn't sleeping much. Didn't yeah. he's just yeah. responding to a question about his work. You know, it's so. fine. I mean, that's not a who yeah. cares. I mean, if he was the new it guy, was a, it wasn't a big secret anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. What's your thoughts on that? At the end of the day, I don't know why. Every, you know, I'm surprised that no one found out sooner because people on the inside have known this for months now. Yeah, I mean, the writing's been on the wall for a while, but. Uh, yeah, when I finally hit, I was like, oh, I thought this already came out, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as, like, yeah, you know, it, it felt to me, and I, I'm not speaking for DC, of course, but it felt to me like, but I can speak for myself. I There's a reason I haven't done a sequel to Punk Rock Jesus. It's because uh, I, if I'm going to do a creator-owned, I might as well do one where I'll own the intellectual property. I might as well go kickstart it and make a ton of money like Ethan yeah. or, you know, Doug or whoever. I might as well give it to Image after. I might as well this. I might as well that. Like, I do I really need to share it with Warner Brothers? They're just set up differently, you know? I don't want to just give away stuff I don't have to give away. And what they were offering, it's just not possible for them to compete with the Image contract for someone like me. Um, you know, if you're younger and not as well-known and you need the Vertigo label and the marketing set, that's a great deal for a lot of people, I'm sure. But I, I can't... It's weird because I, I ask people this question. If you had a title any book vertigo label on it or an image label on the same exact cover where would it sell better and most people would say image no one can really figure out why image became inherently more set than vertigo in the last five years or whatever you know they figured it out themselves and for whatever the reason you know image was eating their lunch in a lot of ways and you know they tried to restart it four or five times i don't even know um hmm. but you know i don't think vertigo is dead I, I mean i don't see why they couldn't just put it on the back burner give it five years let it cool down bring it back big with a big sexy reveal like fuck mm. it why not it's gone for now it doesn't mean it will come back yeah, yeah that that's my feeling is that they closed it so that everyone knows it's gone it's 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 done with and then they can have yeah. a triumphant return and make it a big thing and mm. people will be excited for to go again yeah I, you, 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 know, don't, you, don't, a, you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of thing it's a business that's a good business plan yeah, like, yeah absolutely if they said that was their plan to me i'd be like that's 
you should do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why the vertigo trying to jumpstart it over. I don't know why it's not working, but for whatever reason, it's not. So let's just refocus and then we can get back to this later. Well, it's, well it sounded like their new structure is, I think, DC Kids, DC, yeah, and yeah. DC Black Label, which quite frankly makes makes a lot yeah. of sense. You, you chop up your demographic into three pieces, I think, and have the DC... Mar- yeah. marketing piece on it i think that makes a lot of sense but uh yeah me too man we were i think last time we talked i was talking about cradle to grave and um you know it starts when kids have batman nightlights yeah. watching car- batman cartoons and then they're reading young adult batman robin whatever and then they're on to the main line and they're reading metal and then they're on to my book which is taking them 18 plus you know mm. it makes total sense and then when they're 25 they have their own kid and then it's the cycle starts again Mm. Makes a lot of sense, you know. It's it's not anything new. But yeah, they definitely cleaned up their um, pitch, like their their plan. It makes a lot more sense than it it did for whatever reason, you know. But you know, according to Rob Liefeld, it's the sinking ship. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could get out while well, you can, Sean. It get all circles God. back to that <laughs> yeah. sinking ship, guys. Um, Sean, you're gonna find yourself drawn in the you know parking lot of a Seven Eleven pretty soon. <laughs> How did he start Image single-handedly in his own words and then not – he's going to kickstart anything. Why wouldn't he just go straight to Image, which is right. the, the company he helped create? I mean, I, Yeah, I mean, Mark Silvestri, who? Uh, Todd, <laughs> Todd, I've never heard of him. Jim Lee, don't know the guy. <laughs> what was that book where uh, they were all drawing different characters at once that uh, Kirkman was writing? Image United or something? I think that was It was good. literally Eric Larson, Todd. Each draw their own character into the book, and it was like written by Kirkman. It was like eight years ago, and then it stalled out. Surprise! Yeah, yeah. imagine, imagine <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, supposed to have like Spawn, Cyber, yeah. yeah, all that stuff, all in one book written by Kirkman. I don't know what happened. To you're, wait, you're waiting on like seven or eight people's like schedule to all intertwine. Yeah, well, some of us to start working while we're not behind the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> John, I mean, we're we're so happy. Um, that we have another monthly to look forward to from you. We got we got a super early copy too, or, uh, like the preview copy to the preview copy. Yeah, you guys copy. got the PDF, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, we got you got Where's Azrael Dickin? Azrael, I haven't edited it out yet. Oh man, I bet Legends would buy that original page. What any time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. he's like, Easily. I thought I was gonna ask about the Harley page. Oh. Oh. Yeah. The Harley nipple slip page yeah, that got published yeah. in France. Did it really? I still have it. Yeah. I so um, in France, they did a black and white edition. And yeah. the black and white files, the files that weren't updated. So they had the word balloons moved to cover uh, Joker and Harley's bits. And uh, there's one Harley that slipped through accidentally. <laughs> Can't confirm if DC knows or not. I'm sure that they don't want to even talk about it. <laughs> it's good. It's good um, thing you're not talking about it. It's like a, yeah, why would I do that? That'd be crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like a squiggly line. It's nothing. And just to remind people who are getting triggered by this, like Joker, get in those pages. Harley proposes to him. Like, I felt like it was pretty balanced and equally, equally nude. Hashtag freeze the nipple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With that story, when that story, uh, yeah, when he, if I ever have like medical bills and I eat a lot of money, I'll just sell that page. I was going to say, yeah. The le- legends is already saving for that one, boy. I know, <laughs> I know he is. Well, I asked DC if I could post the art and uh, I asked someone in marketing and they seemed fine with it. So I did. So if you Google it, you can find like, the yeah. colored version that has nudity and no word balloons and I say again that, like, I, I, I say that when I post it on Instagram. Yeah, I'm gonna blow it up, yeah. blow it up, and put it over my bed. <laughs> but I, like I, yeah. I, I, I spoke well, new... this about. I spoke to to Lee Bermejo about this too on the show, and 
I still just think it's so ridiculous um, North America's relationship with nudity in this context. It's, yeah. it's so immature. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. You, you know, mean boobies? Yeah, I agree. And uh, it's like it's gonna be 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so Lee no. Lee mentioned. Yeah, you could draw a Batman beating the living shit out of someone, breaking his like collarbone. Yeah. That's fine. Right. Guns yeah. bla- blazing. Yeah. That's fine. Blood everywhere. That's fine. You show like yeah. the silhouette of a, a penis or a nipple, and everyone loses their fucking minds. And and I think I yeah, asked you about this there. last time, but like your your view on it, like are are we did we take two steps forward and one step back? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I mean, um, like you said, uh, Watchmen had nudity. It's yeah. a DC book. Uh, it's yeah. not. I feel like DC has been doing nudity in one way or another <clears throat> in all content for decades, but these Warner Brothers forgot or something. Mm. Um, and now with you know the outrage crowd online, everyone just don't get publicity for the wrong reasons, you know. Yeah, I mean um, that's it. That's it right there. The social media. Yeah. Yeah. Social yeah. Media. yeah. No, they they react to to mobs a lot now, and not to sales, which is it's tricky because you know, no one wants to lose their job. No one wants to come. So of course you're scared. Of course you want to edit the, the the penis out of there. Of course you want to avoid yeah. controversy. Like oh, most people are reasonable and just like yeah, whatever. It's a boob. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Like if there's a big enough, you know, if there's a million moms of America or whatever it's called tweeting at you on Facebook and demanding, you know, whatever, mm. the CEO step down because of Batman's. Pe- I mean, you know, yeah. but that's sort of how I, I, my sense is that a lot of businesses are realizing that the vocal minority doesn't speak for everybody. And they're starting to sort of just roll their eyes at some of this stuff. Mm. And when you're outraged at everything, you're it's hard to take you seriously if you're crying wolf all the time. That's so true. I feel like there's like a lot of comedians who are. They, they are, stop apologizing. Like it, it's a joke. Like I was apologizing for a while. Like a lot of people didn't like the disease. I'm sorry. Apologize because they don't think he did anything wrong. And you know you have to kiss the ring and bow down. And uh, hmm. it's just so strange right now the time we're living in. But I, I definitely feel a pushback of people that are like, you know what? Enough is enough. Like I'm not playing this game anymore with the outrage crowd. Yeah. It's a real strange sure. one because uh, you know now I guess society or movements or whatever it is teaches or uh, these people to cry over things via social media to get your way and there was a study on that and now something i've never seen in my life but um for the first time i've ever seen it is the um that sonic the hedgehog movie the trailer came out and pete there was yeah there was exactly uproar about the way he looked and now the studio was actually going back and changing it yeah i've never seen something like that before to the point where Yeah. A major motion picture studio has to go back and re-edit right. a character because of an uproar online. That is just yeah. strange to me. Yeah. And what kind of example? Right. What kind of message does that send, though, as well? Right. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100. I, mean, I mean, you have that a lot in society, though. Not to get too philosophical, but you know, closed mouths yeah. don't get fed. And on the other hand, you know, shut up, stop complaining. I ain't gonna lie, yeah. I, I bitched my head off about. Kind of can't a, have it both ways. I bitched my head <laughs> off about a gray ghost figure to DC collectibles, and now we're getting it. So yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, me too, man. That's one of the. I went out and got it the day that came out. I, nice. I've been waiting for that figure for twenty years. <laughs> I know, I knew you were gonna. I, knew, um, I know you want to draw him again in that uh that big splash <laughs> with all the, with all the yeah. collectibles. Oh, I do. Mm. Would they give you permission to use him? Oh. Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah, I mean, they don't. There's, there's the, the space people race. People don't really keep track of White Knight, so. I forgot about the space race between you and uh, Clay Man to to draw Phantasm. Huge uh, thing. Oh, no, no, he won. I mean, uh, Tom King, I was going to use Phantasm in uh, a flashback in White Knight, mm. uh, Curse of White Knight. 
And I wasn't going to do anything major. It was just like tidbit that harkened back to like that that movie. And uh, I wasn't going to do it in any severe way. It was just a, a basically a phantasm or whatever. And honestly, it, it would have been so distracting from the story. Mm. But um, and uh, yeah, Tom ended up leaning into it with was it Clay Man? He's doing it with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's probably much. Better. Like I wasn't, I was gonna waste it. It's good that Tom's gonna use it and take it seriously and actually do something with it. <laughs> yeah, and and Clay, Clay had been uh, working towards that for a long time. Like he went to the extent of he went to <laughs> signing and didn't say who he was or anything, and just asked Paul Dini that, to his knowledge, is mm-hmm. is it okay for DC to use Phantasm in a comic book? And Paul said, uh, "Yeah, right. why wouldn't?" See, this is, is where Clay went wrong. He should have, he should have just drawn it, and then if they don't like it, they have to pay him to redo it. Just yeah, <laughs> McFarland that shit. Clay's not that type yeah, of yeah. guy. <laughs> uh, don't ask, don't ask permission. Just do it and deal with it after, you know. I just, I love that's how McFarland used to do it. They used to tell him, "No more crazy webs, no more crazy poses," and he was like, "All right, all right, all right." He, he used to go back in and just keep drawing the fucking. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it, but you got to pay me ten grand to change it, Charles. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, sometimes when I'm talking to people, uh, comics, I, who are involved with, like, tell me things that I'll, I know to listen to, and then they'll tell me things where I'm like, oh, I get it, but I think you're trying to protect your job in a way, and I won't say that to them. But uh, there's definitely some information where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good advice to follow. And other times I hear there's reasons, and I'm like, mm-hmm, that doesn't sound that convincing. I'm pretty sure if I just drew it and didn't ask permission, it would be fine. So, yeah, definitely uh, a topic far on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I love those old stories. But ultimately, we got, well, what, what I consider, like, one of the greatest Spider-Mans ever drawn. And you just, exactly. you're right, like, yeah, draw now, ask questions later, right? Or, yeah, yeah, pretty much. No, man, I mean, the best books in DC's history, they did not want to do. They were kicking and screaming. They did not want to do Watchmen, as far as I they did not want to do preacher. They, 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 oh, sure, like they wanted to do it to keep me happy, but they didn't think it was going to sell. I mean, this time around, they're giving me TV commercials and animations and things on CNN that they're they're really getting behind the book, which is awesome. But uh, on volume one, I didn't have any of that stuff because I just wasn't a recognized commodity. But yeah, like their job is to do to produce. This is a car company. Their job is to produce the Honda. Great car, reliable. It's like twenty, you know, sixty percent of their sales. Um, they're not going to do like a. a kind of unusual sports car that Honda does every now and then that might not sell. That's just not how they're wired. You're going to have to have some people just forcibly make one in this in the factory and not tell them about it till it's done. You know, like they're sort of taught and, and groomed to create sort of comics as usual and not necessarily like Elseworlds type stuff that's out of the box. You sort of have to be a creator to sort of push your way through and force it, like how it did, you know? Uh, and that's, I think that's sort of how, like, a lot of DC's greatest hits got made, is they sort of didn't really want to do it. I mean, now they'll say, oh, yeah, we always knew that it was going to be huge, huge. But, yeah, at the time, really, did you? Okay, because I'm pretty sure you might <laughs> not be true. <laughs> hey, who's doing those cool little 8-bit video game looking? Yeah, that's my buddy, uh, Chris Fecchieri. He's a friend of mine from Brooklyn, um... He does uh, a lot of like web uh, webisode type stuff, mm-hmm. and um, I he and I are crazy about like old Nintendo style graphics, like pixel games or whatever. Yeah. So I talked to DC, and we found room in the budget to advertise. I commissioned my friend Chris to make these. So he he flew I flew him up to Maine. He worked with me for a few days. We storyboarded these things, and I wanted to create like a what if this was a Nintendo game opening just as a way to sort of break through the white noise. 
um, you know, advertising in comics is awesome, but there's so much stuff to break through. You have to find, I think, like a compelling way to uh, stand out. Mm-hmm. And my other thought was like, oh, if, if Kotaku or some of these other websites, you know, obviously there's a ton of overlap with video games and comics. If we could sort of raise awareness for the book by animating um, these things, I feel like that would that would we would get that money back one way or another through sales, mm-hmm. basically, you know. Um, and yeah, he gave us a good price, and he's working his ass off. And I also think it's a good way to, to tweet it and to remind people, hey, it's coming out this Wednesday. Here's the next installment. So what we, we want to do is release short eight-bit Nintendo-style recaps of the issue that came out the previous month. You know, so for um, you know, the next one's going to be uh, Bruce getting the whip out from underneath the floorboards. So it's like a Castlevania type screenshot where he like picks up the thing and two th- objects fall out. And I love that those. That was kind of the idea that was, uh, thanks man. <laughs> Gives me that nostalgic feeling because I grew up playing those types of games too. And, and I just think it's a cool crossover and very smart marketing to bridge that gap between, you know, not just comic fans, but also gamer fans, but also, you know, guys of my age that, you know, they're wanting these types <laughs> of stories in, you know, through the black label. Uh, yeah. so I, I really enjoy them I think they're cool thanks man my hope is to like talk to DC's video game or Warner Brothers animation and ask like what the process of getting like a Switch game made like a Castlevania style game but with mm. Curse of the White Knight that's a, a totally blue sky probably never gonna happen thing but I thought this might raise some eyebrows your, your pitch to them for that is a good idea like it should be somewhere along the lines like that's some of the best advertisement there is because so many people play those little switch or phone handheld games and it's fucking brilliant because they got to keep playing and earning points and unlocking shit and then the advertisement (laughs) comes up and it just gets etched in their brain like that is yeah that would be amazing man because i'm seeing this new yeah this new trend of comic book advertisement everywhere is is big i mean they were doing it for tom king late night Scott Snyder yeah, had his yeah. thing for the last night on Earth that like um, oh that, that, that was so cool imagery. and that what you're doing with is brilliant too and I think uh, I think that's the direction to go in man and you know to, to have that that bridge from people that might not be aware of these books to get into them it would be I think, I think right, it's yeah. I think it's something that they should really tap into I just saw an animatic of an advertisement that they're doing for White Knight and they actually rendered a 3D model of my Batmobile. With flames coming out the sides, and this thing is driving through Gotham, jumping over rooftops and whatnot. Oh, and <laughs> in the windows of these buildings are pants from Curse of the White Knight, and they have like a great voice actor doing it, and sound effects and music, and it's killer. Like I was geeking out when it's like I'm so honored to have it, you know, That's rendered amazing. 3D. Another cool thing that had been going on was uh, that uh, that kid uh, on YouTube, Patronic, however you uh, pronounce it, was doing yeah. the. Ocean comic of White Knight Volume One. Yeah, man. Yeah, I saw that. I thought it was amazing. I thought, again, this is great advertising. So I backed his Patreon for a year just to help him out. He's a young guy looking to get, you know. So yeah, I, I helped him out. Just I said, hey, man, you don't have to do any more of these. I'm just flattered that you picked my book. You know, if you want to do more, I'm always happy to retweet you. So if you need some cash, here you go. Good luck. So. Yeah, and he's super enthusiastic, and uh, yeah, those things are really awesome. It's one step closer to people seeing the potential of this maybe being adapted into animation, hopefully one day soon, because yeah. let it keep growing, you know, because this universe is starting to really build and ground. I mean, we'll have to see how the sales are in Volume 2, if uh, Von Fries does well, if I can work with Brian on a, a African-American Robin, 
um, yeah, well, who knows? Like, I don't, I don't know what kind of band I have to take in charge of a, a whole universe while I'm writing and drawing my own thing at the same time. If DC is willing to give it a shot, like, I, there's a handful of writers that I'd love to work with, you know, including Mags mm. and uh, Blake, a friend of mine I talked about recently, and yeah, just sort of putting out feelers to see who's interested, you know. But I can't really guarantee anything yet. We'll always support it because. Uh... We, yeah, we understand. Thanks, guys. We understand the kind of uh, talent and focus you have. Oh, thank you. To everyone listening, do not forget this Wednesday, which is July check twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. All right. Sorry, the New York community yep. is being making my brain sweat. <laughs> but yeah, this Wednesday, July twenty fourth, Curse of the White Knight, issue number one, the follow up to White Knight by Sean Murphy. Make sure you pick it up at your local comic book shop. Or have it ordered wherever you get your comic books. Hey Gotham Dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.